Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Last Sunday of the year, I think I'm, I am like, uh, um, not surprised, but, but uh, pleasantly kind of surprised that the Lord would have led us to speak about joy today. Uh, in our final Advent series. We just sang, right? We sang Joy to the World or The Joy of the Lord is Our Strength. That song, Joy to the World, is an awesome song. Uh, Someone by the name of Isaac Watts wrote it, and he didn't write it as a Christmas song. He wrote it out of Psalm 98 um, as as a way to express the joyful excitement uh, that links to then the lordship of Jesus for us and for the world as the world responds. It became a Christmas song, and we've sung it for Christmas for a long time. And you can even hear it on a Netflix movie or a Hallmark movie, uh, on good movies or B and C rated cheesy movies. You can hear it everywhere during Christmas movies. Uh, and they use this song because I have a sense that even if the movie doesn't really see what's really being sung, it, it reminds me that, that, that it expresses a deep hunger in humanity for joy outside of our circumstances for joy outside of our circumstances. And this is one of the beautiful themes of Advent that we anticipate, that the story of God was anticipating in the coming of the Messiah, and I believe that still lingers in the human heart, whether we express it in the most theological way or not. But you know what's interesting? I always like looking at people uh, to see what they really feel when no one is looking. And paparazzi photographers, I mean, I'm not endorsing them, but they, they, they take pictures in the mo- most awkward moments when people don't want to be, uh, you know, taken a photo of. And uh, they often like celebrities or politicians who don't think they're on camera, and then there's like a weird look, and you're like, what were they really thinking during that celebration? What were they really thinking? Like a famous one, uh, and I don't want to get into politics, but I remember this, you know, this picture of like Melania Trump who really looked like, up, kind of like upset standing beside her husband and then the, it like made the news, you know? It's like, what is she really thinking in that moment? Does she want to be there? Um, I don't care. But, uh, but then, then like sometimes like, like, you know, the big frown between the red carpet scenes, like someone's on the camera and they're talking about this next movie, but then the camera gets clicked when they're off the camera really but they don't know and they they just don't look happy they're dressed up they just came off the red carpet but their clothes say they're happy but their face says they're unhappy and so it makes me ask the question what is true joy and does christianity offer anything different We've been in this series for Advent. We've been leaning out of Paul's uh, book of Romans in a specific chapter, in a specific verse, Romans 14, verse 17. And I want to read it because the last part of this verse where Paul is trying to equip this church speaks about joy. So let's read it together. Let's just pause for 10 seconds and trust that the Lord is going to um, impress this theme and this verse on our hearts. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace. And what's that word? Everybody say it. Yeah, say it more joyful. And what? Yeah, now like kind of, can someone do like a chuckle, ho, ho in the middle of that? Anybody? Like, and anyway, let's get one, two, three. 
That was good. That was not bad, you know? A little forced, but not bad. Okay, good. Uh, We've been discussing over the last couple of weeks how in the background, the background scene of this chapter of this church, what's going on, there's Jews who've become Christians who are still leaning on their traditional food laws to help them feel fulfilled in their faith. They're like, if I eat this, then I'm right. And then they were frowning upon others who weren't eating that. And then those who didn't really care about these dietary laws because they weren't connected to the Jewish faith, but still became Christians were looking down on the Jews as weak because they're like, why are you worrying about this food? Like Jesus is come and he's Lord and he's resurrected and, and you know, we have eternity and we're, we're part of his kingdom. And that led to this relational conflict, conflict, but also this sense of false security. And, and I don't know for sure because we don't really see it in the text, but I'm trying to read behind the text if maybe this has also robbed them of their joy. The relational conflict, the conflict, the lack of reconciliation, the, uh, the kind of like comparisons, what happens, like we said, when they sit at the table and they st- this, they're not together. And I wonder if that has robbed them of their joy. And maybe one of the reasons, outside of obviously the truth of this verse, one of the reasons why Paul reminds them that God's kingdom is not a matter of food laws or any regulation that seems to make you right before God, to make you righteous or to include you. It's not about those things, but he says it's about righteousness, peace, and joy. Man, you guys just dropped the notch there, but anyways, joy in the Holy Spirit. And we ask the question, well, what's the source of this joy? And there's two things going on here without doing like a full, you know, biblical theme on this. The first thing is God's kingdom has characteristics. His rule, his vision, his purposes, his people has characteristics. We've all seen fairy tale stories or read fairy tale stories that describe a kingdom. And sometimes it's like, oh, this kingdom, look how awesome these people are and how they're treating each other and how the king or the queen, you know, has created an environment that's joyful. But then we've read fairy tales that describe a kingdom that is oppressive and dark and not really enjoyable to be a part of. God's kingdom has characteristics because of who God is and out of his own character and out of his own heart and vision. And the characteristics in God's kingdom are things that only God can bring about because the one who's king leads, forms, shapes, provides, calls, equips. The characteristics in God's kingdom, like righteousness, peace, and joy, are things that only God can truly bring. That's one of the reasons that joy is part of God's kingdom, because joy is part of God's character. There's another reason here, and I think it fulfills kind of how we, the, the flow of the text, right? It's like Paul says, the kingdom is about righteousness, peace, and joy. And so I think it's, it's, it's simple when we just look at this with a simple lens to say, well, when someone uh, discovers Jesus and is made righteous because of the faithfulness of Jesus and putting their trust in Jesus. And that overflows in living righteously into God's will, into God's plan. That leads to joy, not a perfect life. I'll get to that later, but joy. When someone finds peace, not in themselves, not in the world, but in Christ, and then someone sees the peace of God, the shalom of God, God's vision for the world to pursue peace, to be makers of peace, to be contributors to peace, 
That leads to joy. And if you have two people that have been in conflict and reconciliation, true reconciliation takes place, one of the results of that is joy because peace has been experienced. When countries, tribes, nations, groups are in conflict, but something turns the tide and changes that, that results in joy. When we find the righteousness of God's kingdom and the peace of God's kingdom, I think one of the overflowing results of that is joy. Because freedom that comes from knowing we're made righteous, not on our own actions or merit, and forgiveness that leads to peace with God and then overflows to peace with others, that kind of joy is the kind of joy that people long for. It's the kind of joy that I long for. It's the kind of joy that I believe, even if the world doesn't say it or admit it or often discover it, longs for now, Paul tells us in another letter, in his letter to another church, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he, um, he, he describes how this happened to him. Let's just read it together. It's a great couple of lines in this, uh, in this letter. So Paul says to them, Our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. There's a connection there. You have received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. That word is the gospel or the message of the gospel, the gospel of God's kingdom, the one that Jesus came announcing, the one that the early church continued to proclaim. Verse 5 talks about how the message of the gospel came to them, not only in word, not only through language and letters and words and phrases, but in power. Paul says he doesn't say it didn't come through the word. He said it didn't only come through the word. So it came through the word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this, Paul says, this is how They came to know Christ. This is how Paul came to know Christ and enter into God's kingdom. And we know that that he also witnessed this in others. And then he says, you became imitators of me. That's a little bit of a catchphrase that he's trying to let them know. You experienced the gospel like I experienced the gospel. You've received what I've received. You've responded to this message, to this word, like I've responded to this message, to this word. You've become imitators of me in this way. And one of the characteristics in how this happened and one of the steps is a joyful reception. Isn't that awesome? It's a joyful reception of this message of the gospel of God's kingdom. I'm going to come back to that later, but I don't just jump into the gospels really, really fast. Jesus often told stories, parables. One of the parables he tells is the parable of the sower, says that the, the, the message of the kingdom gets out as like, like a, a sower would kind of throw seeds into the fields and hoping that those seeds catch. And Jesus alludes that those seeds are metaphorically like the message of the kingdom that are, that are being sown into the world. And he says in that parable, when he explains it later to his disciples, he says, you know, some people will receive that message with joy. Now, there's the next part of 
receiving the message with joy. That means you need to understand it. You need to respond to it. You need to follow it and him and Christ and grow with it. But at first, I love it. There's this joyful reception. There's something about the seed. There's something about the message. When someone sees it, even if they don't take it to the fullest next level, they see something joyful in it because it's good news. It's the good news of God's kingdom. Jesus later tells another parable, and it's the parable of the treasure. And it's, a, it's like a one-line story. I mean, Jesus is a master storyteller. Like People have preached like 40 minutes, maybe too long on one verse, but, and I've probably done that many times. But the point is that like one line is a whole parable. And I love the line in Matthew 13, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. Who doesn't have joy when they find a treasure? Everybody is joyful when they find a treasure. When they discover something so wonderful and beautiful and valuable, and especially when it's like a surprise, and there's excitement, there's reward, there's benefit. And Jesus says in this parable that when, when this person finds this treasure, it's like he, he hides it in this, in this field so then he can go back to make sure that he buys the field so that anything in the field is now his. And he sells everything just to get that field because he's planted the treasure in the field. He, and, and here's the description. He joyfully sold everything. In his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. The very idea and promise of God's kingdom brings joy because it's good news. It's the good news of the kingdom. And he joyfully sold it. He joyfully responded. Because when you, when, you, when you recognize that whatever you've discovered is so good, you're willing to give everything up just to secure being part of it. This is the, like, when someone asks the question, like, why does a Christian, after they come to Christ, why are they willing to serve and sacrifice and lay down their rights and... Uh, possibly if the Lord calls them to even uproot themselves and serve the world in different pockets, even at their own expense, why would someone ever do that? Because what they've discovered in the kingdom is more valuable. And joyfully, they surrender everything for that. There's, the joy of God's kingdom is like that. John, uh, like the, the, the apostle when he writes in his gospel and then later in his letter, he uses the word joy a couple of times as, as, he, as he's telling us the story of Jesus. And in, verse, in, in John 15, verse 11, uh, he quotes Jesus saying, I have said these things to you, as he's inviting them to abide in him and stay connected to him and bear fruit in him. He says, I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Here's Jesus saying this. John's recording this for us. In, in John 17, 13, he says, he, again, Jesus is saying, now I'm coming to you and I speak these things in the world. It's his gospel message. It's his invitation to his disciples. I speak these things in the world so that they may have what? My joy made complete 
in themselves. So Jesus is, 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 is inviting the world, is inviting his disciples, is, is, is casting the seed, the message of God's kingdom in hopes that as people respond to it, they would find it, find him, respond, and their joy would be made complete because his joy is given to them in the process, in this exchange. Later, this same writer, John, when he's writing a letter to Christians in his older age, he talks about like sharing the news of Jesus, what he's seen and heard, because he wants them to know and understand and respond. And then he says, we're writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. Three times, right? Like when, in quoting Jesus and then in this letter, John uses the word complete. That, that the, the joy of Jesus in them may be complete in them, that as they respond to this, the, God's joy in them may be complete. And then here, John is kind of like experiencing all that. He's like, I'm writing these things to you so that as you respond and you, you know Jesus, our joy may be complete. And I love that word, complete joy. And we can say, we can use the word satisfaction. We can use the word fulfillment. But something, as we read these words of Jesus, and as John records, as he writes this letter to this church, it seems like joy is the hallmark characteristic of spirituality in Christ. Not all spiritualities, spirituality in Christ, the gospel, evidence of being rooted in Jesus, the result of the Holy Spirit invading our lives. Joy becomes a common experience in God's kingdom. I love that, that your joy may be complete, that our joy may be complete, that Christ's joy in us. Who's, who's longing for that right now? That his joy may be complete, that we may experience that. Now, I want to play a game. We're going to play a game, okay? So certain Christians remind us of certain kingdom characteristics at times. We can play this game like even naturally. You know, if you say like Dave Manifold, the first word that comes to mind is... Okay. I wish, yeah, that's good. No, I love that. That's great. Okay. What is that like? You know, espresso, pastor, encouragement, all these words. Okay, great. Now, if I say like uh, John Weaver, what comes to mind? Awesome. Okay. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to play a game with like a little bit better known Christians uh, in history. Okay. And now, like, tell me their, the, the characteristic of God's kingdom that you would associate with them. You ready? Mother Teresa, what would the kingdom value characteristic associate with her? Servant, compassion, humility. Awesome. Okay, another kind of well-known Christian in the last hundred years. Billy Graham, what, would, what word would come to mind? Yeah, evangelist, what else? Anybody? What, what? I heard somebody. No? Humble too. Okay, cool. Yeah, passionate for, for people to hear the gospel. C.S. Lewis. Writer, literature. Did someone say wine? Oh, wise, wisdom. Yeah, yeah, wisdom. Good. Now, here's a lesser known Christian that some of you might know, but, you know, definitely not like in all of history or even the last hundred years. Bob Goff. Does anybody know Bob Goff? Ever hear of him? Eccentric? Cool. Here's a picture of Bob. Um, now, I don't like, you know, put him on the level playing field of Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or C.S. Lewis or anybody like that. But Bob Goff loves Jesus, loves people, 
He has a background as a lawyer. He teaches at the University, Pepperdine University in, uh, I believe, near San Francisco. Whenever you listen to Bob Goff talk, regardless of like, you know, saying, you know, like kind of like his heart message, you, you sense joy. When you listen to Bob, you sense joy. This isn't because Bob's life has been easy. Because in interviews, if you listen to some of the things that he's gone through, his life has not been easy. Um, this is not only because he loves to do fun stuff, because Bob Goff loves to do fun stuff. He, he believes that as we, we experience God and follow Jesus, there's going to be trials and tribulations and suffering, but he approaches life with joy. And whether he's talking about a building, like building an orphanage in Afghanistan, which he's done and led people to and raised money for out of, in the name of Jesus, or whether he's teaching witch doctors in a remote village that literally want to kill him because he's also been the lawyer that uh, prosecuted one of the witch doctors for killing someone. So he's like, he has a bounty on his head, but he's hanging out with witch doctors and he says... I think I know what the witch doctors need. They want to learn how to read. I'm going to teach you how to read, witch doctors. You wouldn't say that as a joyful situation, right? No. But he exudes joy. He exudes joy. And I asked myself this question, and all these different characteristics of the kingdom are valuable, but today we're talking about joy. So I asked myself, and I want you to ask yourself, do I overflow with the joy of God's kingdom? Does, do I overflow with the joy of God's kingdom? Does my life look like I'm a part of God's kingdom? Does my life look like that? Do my friends see righteousness and peace and joy in me that only God makes possible, right? In the Holy Spirit. Is that noticeable in my life? Is that noticeable in your life? And this is so important. And you know, this is very unique to Christianity. Both the righteousness, the peace, and the joy that only God can bring. Righteousness, because we trust in the faithfulness of Jesus. Peace, because Jesus has come and destroyed the powers, has brought forgiveness, has made this possible. Joy, because this is part of the overflow of God's kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in me that only God makes possible. And this idea of joy, or this idea is actually unique to Christianity. Because often the world likes to kind of have polar opposites. It's either this or this, this or that. Peace or conflict. And with joy, we can often have these two polar opposites. It's either joy or suffering. But you know what's really unique to Christianity? It really is. The idea that joy and suffering can exist at the same time. There's something unique to Christian faith and Christian doctrine and Christian teaching that joy and suffering can exist at the same time. In other words, for a follower of Jesus, joy doesn't always cancel out suffering and suffering doesn't cancel out joy. Somehow, they can exist at the same time. And this is so important for you and me to understand. This is so important for the daily life that we live. This is so important for the trials that we face. This is so healthy to understand. And this is what the world needs to see from the church. Not, not that, oh, when you're, when you're finished suffering, now you can be joyful. Or you're joyful, there must be no suffering. 
or they're suffering, there can't be any joy. But Christianity somehow says, no, these, can, these actually can exist at the same time. And this is really important, and I'm going to put it on the screen so we, we can remember it. The joy of God's kingdom is in, isn't situational, it's spiritual. The joy of God's kingdom is not situation, it's spiritual. And I put a little hyphen there because Paul tells us that the kingdom is about joy in the Holy Spirit. And spirituality, or to be spiritual as a Christian, is rooted in the life and teachings of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, the joy of God's kingdom is not dependent on the situation you're in, but on the Holy Spirit who's in you. It's very different, right? And this is why I love how Paul, when he's, when he's writing to this church, uh, not Rome, but, but, uh, but the other church we're talking about, he talks about how in spite of or despite severe suffering, despite severe suffering, in the midst of severe suffering, another version talks about it as persecution, you received the word with joy in the Holy Spirit. That is how Christianity shows us these two things can coexist at the same time. See, I would, I would call foul or lazy on a theology that makes no room for God in our suffering. I think it's lazy theology when we only say God is only God if you're healthy and if you're wealthy. If God doesn't come through in your health, if God doesn't come through on your wealth, then you don't have enough faith or something like that. And I'd say in my humble posture this morning is that that's lazy theology. Because even Paul says, even in the middle of, it, of severe suffering, you received the word with joy in the Holy Spirit. See, secular thought says, fix this and you'll have joy. Or we read books now like, look, this is getting better, that's getting better, that's getting better, so everything's all right. But then there's a whole other slew of books that are saying, this is getting better and tech is getting better and medicine's getting better, why are we still unhappy? It, it's, it's really ironic. Secular thinking is sometimes fix this and you'll have joy. Spiritual thinking rooted in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is despite this, you can have joy. In the middle of this, suffering or success, you can have joy. That the source of joy in God's kingdom isn't situational, it's spiritual. It's rooted in Jesus and the work of the Spirit in our lives. But here's, here's a temptation, and we're slowly going to wrap this up. Otherwise, I'm going to preach 40 minutes on one verse. Here's a temptation. Situational joy can deceive us to think that we don't need spiritual joy. The moment when our situation is so good, it's like we don't crave or understand our need for the spiritual joy. It's like all of a sudden something so awesome happened and we just think that that's it. This has fulfilled everything for me. This is amazing. I've met this person. I've acquired this. My RSSP, RSPs hit this thing. I've got this house. I've made it to this vacation. Everything. Oh, this is amazing. And that, I'm not saying any of those things are bad. 
but they can deceive us. They're situational to thinking that we don't need the source of spiritual joy. It's kind of like this. Like, have you ever been like ready for supper and then you walk into your kitchen and there's like a bag of Doritos on the counter or dessert on the counter? None of you guys have that stuff in your house? Okay, I thought I was like, I was the only normal person. But anyways. And sometimes, right, when you walk in for supper and like supper's going to be good, like, you know, maybe there's Brussels sprouts and bacon. There's a certain person that served with us on Friday night that just detests Brussels sprouts. And so we got to get them healthy. But anyways, um, but imagine, right, like, like there's something good, tasty, nutritious waiting for supper. But you walk into the kitchen, there's Doritos or dessert, and you're tempted because you're hungry for something. So you fill yourself up. You don't just take like two Doritos that like open up your appetite, right? You take like 20 Doritos because you're so hungry. And in that moment, I know this happened to me, you feel falsely fulfilled. Don't you? You feel falsely fulfilled. And you, this happens with my kids. They like gorge out on that and like, hey guys, we're going to eat. I'm not really hungry anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you, like, that was just Doritos, but it falsely fulfills them. And I fall into that trap. And then we skip the real nutrition at the table because we've just had the situational really quick just before. See, candy-type joy, when it's rooted in a situation, can make us miss the complete-type joy that's found in Jesus, that's found rooted in the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God doesn't want you to miss the complete joy for the candy joy. God doesn't want us to miss the spiritual-rooted joy because of some situational joy. And God doesn't even expect that everything will be perfect for you to experience that joy. Because suffering and joy don't cancel out each other. According to the scriptures, they can exist at the same time. That's the beauty of God's kingdom. Because joy in the Holy Spirit is not just now. It's eschatological. It's in the future. It's the beauty and fullness of new creation can be in moments, in pockets, experienced now. And that hope, when there will be no more tear and no more fear and no more pain. That's not now. We still walk through suffering times. But we're promised that. And it's pulled into the present. So suffering on earth and joy can exist at the same time when our joy is spiritual joy, not situational joy. And so... My invitation to us as we end the year today, really end our, not the year today, but end our, our last Sunday of the year, is this really an invitation for us. Like, where are we rooted? Who are we rooted in? And you know, this, this last Thursday, this announcement from the premier, that was a tough, that was a tough blow to culture, to people, to society. Um, they were already talking about on the radio, like people were saying, just the word lockdown just the word is just triggered all kinds of emotions for people and so as soon as people hear that it's just a wave of emotion so we've been hit with another blow during this pandemic and people are expressing a literal you know sense of of emotional pain and this is tough and it's tough for us as a church to hear this and regardless of you know 
what we would decide and how we decide things, regardless of what other churches do, it's not the point. This, it's, it's not the point. I want us to just understand in this moment where our joy is sourced. We can hear an announcement like that. We can even walk through the implications of that in however that plays out. And that can happen at the same time as us being rooted in the Holy Spirit and experiencing the righteousness, peace, and joy that only God can bring. Amen? That is possible when sourced in God's kingdom. Only he can bring and he gets us through. And so whatever, whether it's Thursday's, Thursday's announcement or another piece of news or some other situation that feels like a blow, whether it's now or in the future, right now in the moment, let's be rooted in kingdom joy, a joy that only God can bring. I'm going to invite Matt to come up and to um, lead us to wrap up in, with a song, but I want to invite us in this moment um, maybe for some of us that have been following Jesus for a while, you just need to be reminded of this. You need to be reminded because like you, like me, you know, we're, we're tempted by like the Doritos on the table. And we know that the meal is awesome because we love Jesus and we, we spend time with Jesus and we know who Jesus is and we know the beauty and strength of the kingdom. But like, it was the, it was the kind of like situational Doritos that kind of like made us miss, oh yeah, I forgot, this is where my joy is. And I just want to remind us today of where our joy lies. You guys can come. And um, also, I want us to, maybe you're here today. And, you know, it's our last Sunday of the year, and you've been coming to our church or tracking with us online if you are. And you're like, I need that. Well, we've been describing this as something only God can bring. I can't give it to you. Your situation can't give it to you. The next government announcement won't give it to you. Whatever, like, if you get a raise or a bonus, that's not going to give it to you. If you get a pay cut, that definitely won't give it to you. That doesn't have to rob you of it. But I'm in, my invitation to you is receiving, maybe for the first time, the kingdom. Like that person who found the treasure. It's like, this is it. And then when we respond and we receive, not just in word, but through God's actual supernatural work through his spirit, he wants to to restore you and save you and rescue you and bring you into his kingdom so you can experience his righteousness and his peace, his joy. So if that's you today, I want to just help us respond in that way. Um, so let's pray in that way. And maybe if you're the one who needs the reminder like I do, let's, let's be reminded of that as we pray as well. God, we could like have a, an exhaustive, never-ending list of situations that we could tick off, good or bad, helpful, unhelpful, joyful, unjoyful, great, awesome, not so great. And God, we're so tempted in our day-to-day -day lives to base our joy on this list of situations. God, at times we also might just, you know, have some candy situations that make us feel like everything is going to be just great. And then we miss, we miss reaching out for the real meal in Jesus and the work of the Spirit.
remind us today of where true joy comes from. And the unique, beautiful message within Christianity that our suffering doesn't have to cancel out our joy. And, there's, and joy is not only on the other side of suffering, but true joy can be experienced throughout. Remind us of that, God. And right now, anyone who's, who's leaning in that maybe needs to make this decision for the first time because you have never really felt true joy, I just invite you right now to take just a brief moment not to put your faith in a situation, but to put your faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. He fulfilled God's purposes, God's story, God's promises at the cross through the resurrection and ascension. And our faith in him, not in ourselves, not in our situations, brings us into God's family, into God's kingdom, into God's life. To express that step, that decision, to follow Jesus in this moment. Yeah, Lord, whoever is leaning into that prayer right now, may they know that this, this decision to trust in the faithfulness of Christ is this first step, this major step of, of coming into the life that you long for them and the, the kingdom and future that you promised them in Christ through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.